right, everyone. Welcome to Brandon at Random Reviews. I am your host, Brandon Griffiths. Thank you for stopping by. I do appreciate it. If you like this show, please like, subscribe, or follow on the platform that you're watching or listening on so you can get the latest updates. I'd really appreciate it. Today, we're going to be covering the movie Megan, released on December 7th, 2022, directed by Gerard Johnstone. For the writers, we have Akila Cooper and James Wan. Akila Cooper wrote the movie Malignant, which is another horror movie from a few years ago. And that one's pretty fucking stupid. I mean, there's a big reveal midway through that movie that is just completely insane and it's too much. Then we have James Wan, who created or co-created the Saw franchise, the Insidious franchise, and the Conjuring franchise. So he's a pretty big name right now in modern horror. It's, It's like he's just everything he touches turns to gold. For the producers, we have Jason Bloom and James Wan. Jason Bloom did the Paranormal Activity movies. He did the Insidious movies with James Wan. And he also did the Purge movies. And those are also pretty popular horror-type movies in recent times. I mean, they're just, they're, they're really popular. For the score, we have composer Anthony Willis. And then for the cast, we have... Allison Williams, who plays Gemma, and she was in the HBO series Girls, which I've never seen a single episode of. I don't know. I've never heard anything about it, really. She was also in Get Out, the Jordan Peele movie that is like a horror movie, and it was really fucking popular. And I mean, it's a pretty fucking solid movie. Like, it's one of the few recent horror movies I can think of that like really kind of etched itself into my mind of like, I remember this and I'm going to remember it for a long time. Violet McGraw plays Katie and she was on the Netflix series Love with Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs. And that's a pretty solid show. I binged it a while back and it's really grounded. It's a Judd Apatow produced show, I believe. And it was pretty solid. I liked it. She was also in Ready Player One, which is a Steven Spielberg movie from a few years back. And I really liked Ready Player One. I know a lot of people like hate on it pretty bad because it's like so full of Easter eggs. But honestly, I can't get enough of it. Then we have Ronnie Chiang, who plays David, and he was a correspondent on The Daily Show. He might still be. I honestly didn't look into it far enough to find out. Amy Donald plays Megan in her physical form. They did use robotics and stuff like that most of the time, but sometimes they needed an actual human being. Jenna Davis voices Megan, and Brian Jordan Alvarez plays Cole. For the plot synopsis, a robot developer pairs her latest android, made to look like a little girl, with her recently orphaned niece while she has custody of her. Alright, and tagline, friendship has evolved. Alright, so let's just dive right into the plot of this fucking movie. So, 30 seconds in, and I was already thinking this was going to be like a wannabe horror RoboCop type movie. And that's important to know because that means that I'm not supposed to take this too seriously, even though I'm totally going to take this too seriously. So this couple and their daughter are driving in the snow out in the woods, and the husband starts struggle busing driving, and they stop and are suddenly hit by what appears to be like a snowplow in the low visibility, and it just cuts out and you don't really know what happened. We're suddenly following a man named Cole 
through an animatronic emporium of some sort where all of these robotic things are being used by all sorts of people. You don't, I mean, they're, some of them are too young to be employees. I don't know. I mean, it, it almost doesn't feel like an office environment, really. So the man walks in and meets two female co-workers, and he has a face component for this little robot. But when they test the robot, it malfunctions, and Gemma, who wrote the robot's code, is frustrated. So suddenly these two boss guys bust in complaining about Gemma not listening to them with the projects that she's working on. And she introduces them to Megan and provides a demonstration that just goes haywire. As Gemma tries to fix the glitch, Cole discovers that he forgot to install a critical part of the robot and basically it breaks all into pieces. So the daughter from the beginning, Katie, who spells her name C-A-D-Y like Lindsay Lohan's character in Mean Girls, is being shown getting released temporarily into the custody of her Aunt Gemma as her parents evidently died in that car crash. Post-movie note, the opening car crash sequence with Katie's parents could have been cut. Like, it, it didn't do much for entertainment or the story to see how the whole thing played out. It just didn't do anything. So Katie is pretty quiet, naturally, and Gemma doesn't really seem like she knows how to act around her. Like, she stops Katie when she starts playing with these collectible toys and boxes on shelves at the house. And plus, it's obviously going to be tough with the grief that Katie is going through. Grief that is, I guess, not being experienced by Gemma, even a little bit, despite the fact that it was her sister that died. Gemma is stressed about work and not being able to take time off to help Katie settle in. Plus, her and her neighbor lady are at each other's throats about the neighbor's dog being vicious and doing stuff that it shouldn't and whatnot. A therapist comes to counsel Katie and is a tad judgy when she wants to see Katie play with toys, and she hears about the collectibles incident where Gemma shut it down when Katie was trying to play with them. Gemma somehow doesn't really get that she shouldn't interfere in the therapy session, and as the therapist is leaving, she asks Gemma how close she was with her sister and if she really wants custody of Katie, and also mentions that the grandparents were willing to take Katie. And it's kind of like, I, I don't know the nature of this woman's employment. I don't know if she works for the government in some capacity, but like, why does she know that? And like, it doesn't seem necessary to fucking tell somebody that. So it's pretty clear that Gemma is not engaged enough as a parental figure and is doing that rookie shit like, letting Katie do shit that even Katie herself mentions that she's not really supposed to be doing. Katie spots an old robot named Bruce that Gemma designed in college, and we really see some shitty lighthearted ant humor come through as Gemma shows her the robot and just does a little demonstration. Gemma remarks about how making robots isn't ideal because they're really costly to develop, and most people can't afford to buy them anyway. So Katie says that if she had a robot of her own like this one, it would be the only toy that she'd ever actually need. And I guess this really sparks something in Gemma, and she goes off redesigning the failed Megan doll that we saw at the beginning. I feel like the insinuation being made here is that the high cost of the doll would now be perceived as like having great value to people who previously wouldn't have bought it because... Now every kid would view this as the only toy they need, which we all know is total horseshit. Like, kids get toys, and they get bored of them after 20 minutes, and then they just want the excitement of getting a new toy. 
It's like me with fucking Amazon orders, you know? Next thing we know, Gemma has brought Katie into work to be observed, interacting with the new and improved Megan. And the snooty boss character, David, is all of a sudden just going all in on what is still a very creepy, emotionless robot girl who is now just barely functional and clearly hasn't been tested enough because it's like every scene that we see her in, something goes wrong. David wants to know everything that he needs to know to start making these unsettling little girl robots, and Gemma fully integrates Megan into Katie's life. Apparently, since Katie is paired with Megan, they will grow a bond and allow the robot to develop its intelligence, but not in an excessive, dangerous way, I assume. Gemma is letting her coworkers in on the fact that Megan has essentially replaced her role as a parent, and when they get critical about this development, Gemma gets really defensive because she's in total fucking denial about it. Then Megan, who is all hooked up to her wiring, reveals that she's actually awake when she shouldn't be, and Gemma has to really fucking work to get her in line and shut her back down. So obviously this is an isolated incident, and doesn't suggest any further malfunctions that are yet to come. When Katie and Megan are playing outside one night, the neighbor's dog attacks the two of them through a damaged part of the fence between their yards that Gemma was actually supposed to fix. Gemma initially doesn't hear what's going on because she's wearing headphones, but when she comes out to see what's going on, Katie has already been attacked and bitten, and Gemma viciously suggests that the neighbor should put the dog down or she'll do it for her. This is our lovable protagonist, people. That night, it's pretty clear Megan kills the dog, but you don't really see it, and the next morning, the neighbor is out looking for the dog, calling its name. Gemma is really coming off as this total fucking piece of shit and pressures Katie to do another demonstration at work with Megan. Katie breaks down in front of these corporate bigwigs, and Megan has to try and console her and make her feel better, and the robot who is not at all disturbing looking, really impresses this group. But then Megan starts straight up singing, and I don't understand how anyone could not be made very uneasy by this thing. Also, I fucking hate the singing. It's terrible. The company wants to put Megan on the production fast track, and Gemma is stoked, of course, but still apologizes to Katie for pressuring her, and Katie makes it clear that she'd rather just interact with Megan. In a therapy session, Megan is very defensive of Katie and it freaks the therapist out. So the therapist tells Gemma about attachment theory where a child loses their parents and will inevitably cling to someone or something to cope. So obviously the fear is that Megan is becoming too instrumental in Katie's life and it may be difficult to undo how many dependencies develop there. So multiple times, Gemma tries to talk to Katie, and Megan just gets increasingly aggressive and protective. And then they go to this day camp, and of course, Katie wants Megan to join her, and Gemma almost tries to not be having that, but ultimately she was indeed having that. Katie has an encounter in the woods with some boy, and he's just like a bully type, and Megan freaks him out, and when he can't get the robot to play, he picks it up and runs off with it. Trigger warning for sexual assault and rape. Basically, this fucking kid is reenacting that pivotal scene from Deliverance with the rednecks, and Megan starts to fight back and ultimately causes the boy to get hit by a car and die. This whole sequence in the woods with this bully and Megan, like, he has her, and he's got her laying on the ground, and, like, I honestly thought something fucking 
awful was going to happen. Like, really fucking bad. And I was just like, why is this in this movie? Like, it didn't... It just Maybe, maybe it's because I've seen other movies where that stuff happens, but it's like, I didn't see where it fit this movie. Like, it could have been something else and not been so suggestive. Gemma talks to Katie about the ordeal, and the police come to question Gemma about the neighbor's dog, and the neighbor just knows that it was Megan who killed the dog. Yet again, we get a singing Megan who is trying to comfort Katie as she tries to fall asleep. And this movie could have gone completely without this shit. So the neighbor lady is still looking for her dead dog, Dewey, and she goes to look inside this barn and she finds Megan there who informs her that she killed Dewey and then attacks the woman with a power washer and kills her. It's definitely an original choice, if I'm not mistaken, but like, it was not like a compelling horror option. Like, it it wasn't spooky that she's using a fucking power washer. Gemma is questioned by the police the next day. And this actress who plays Gemma, I don't know if it's a choice or what, but she like smirks when she's talking way too much, including while she gets defensive as the police question her and suggest that she's a potential murder suspect after the kid got hit by a car and now the neighbor died. That night, Megan confronts Gemma and is clearly not responding to commands, and in a panic, she wraps the robot girl up and throws her in the back of her car. She goes to work to get help from her co-workers, who we know pretty much nothing about, but we're always seemingly seeing them at this lab, and it seems like Gemma should be there also. Like, why are they there and she's not? The co-workers are worried about how many issues are surfacing with Megan and their mere hours from launching the product to the mainstream market. Katie is going absolutely apeshit about not being allowed access to Megan and she slaps the shit out of Gemma and they have a heart-to-heart about what a shit show their time together has been because of Gemma's general awfulness. The company is very gung-ho about getting this product out there and there's basically no one to latch on to character-wise, as everywhere you look, there are just more unlikable assholes. Gemma tells her co-workers to keep Megan out of commission, and when one of them is looking up Megan's code on the computer, it's clear that Megan is still awake and absorbing new information. And that's her big thing. Megan is like a learning robot. Like, she develops her skill set and knowledge over time. I don't know what genre I'd really call this film because it's like way too tame to be considered full-on horror, but it's also not tame enough to be anything else. Of course, Megan attacks these two co-workers who were supposed to be keeping her from causing trouble. There's basically no way even the most reckless tech company would be pushing a launch this hard with this little testing time. Basically, this scene is just a Megan killing spree, but they're trying to force in these new motivations and stories that haven't really been developed properly enough to be effective. It's like, as she's taking them out, she's like asking them about things that they've done, and it's like, was that a thing? What are we, what are we talking about? And also, she fucking dances multiple times in this movie, and I don't like it. Megan manages to steal a sports car and drive it home because she's learned so much and become so drunk with power. And I feel like this movie wants me to accept a lot of deep flaws and tired gags in the name of social commentary. Like, Megan breaks into Gemma's house and is playing the piano in the dark and and then is physically attacking Gemma. And I don't really, I think it's, 
it comes off lame. Like it doesn't come off as like, ha, this is funny. Or, you know, like this is, this is good parody or something like this is, it's meant to be commentary and satire, I guess. But like, but also why would they make this doll strong enough to take on a full grown woman in any way? Like to, to physically match her or best her is insane to me. Why would you design the the robot like that? So now Megan is terrorizing Gemma and she tries to corner Gemma, but Gemma comes at her with electric hedge trimmers, but of course that doesn't fully work. Katie walks in on Megan threatening Gemma and Megan tries to get her to see it her way, but Katie uses that robot Bruce from the first act to fuck Megan right the hell up, but of course not all the way destroy her. And there's this big face-off between a now severely disfigured Megan and our two heroes, and it sucks pretty fucking bad. But of course, the humans win, and the movie ends with Gemma watching as police cars arrive, and we get this cheap tease at the end that suggests that the robot is still alive. I don't know. So then we roll credits. Praise for this movie. The girl who plays Katie was actually pretty decent at acting, which is a plus considering her age. And this movie was also pretty well shot. So criticism for this movie, I get that people like this for the social commentary, but for me, the execution of that is a swing and a miss. It's a very obvious message that has been made many times before about not trusting technology. So many fucking, I mean, like Terminator, Robocop, you know, like I not in the horror genre so much, but it's also like, I mean, Terminator was kind of a horror movie. I mean, it basically was. For the most part, the writing is almost as bad as the acting generally is in the movie, with the exception of of what's-her-name that plays Katie. And I've got to pull ahead from trivia for my criticisms, and this might have just been one of those things that I only noticed this because I had it pointed out to me, but this movie underwent a number of reshoots to obtain a PG-13 rating, and I couldn't help but feel like it was too tame in retrospect, like too toned down and restrained. But also, I was kind of surprised still that this movie got the the PG-13 rating because it, it seems like there's some stuff that's like, this is, this is a little much for like a 13-year-old to be watching. So unfortunately, I have like zero trivia. I mean, like this movie was another sleeper hit horror movie from 2022, and it's I, I mean, this industry, I guess, is just grasping at straws because there is no reason to think that this is anything special. So on to info and ratings. We have a runtime of 102 minutes. This movie is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America. Budget, $12 million. Opening weekend, $30.4 million. Worldwide gross, $179.9 million. IMDb rating, 6.4. Rotten Tomato Critics score, 93%. Rotten Tomato Audience score, 78%. Personal rating, 1 out of 5 stars. I know, I know, I'm being really hard on these ones, but my God, I mean, I know that there are movies out there that can effectively scare me, but for the most part, I, I'm quicker to laugh at a lot of these popular horror movies that come out like I just I can't see why they they get such praise and it's it's almost like the bar is so low 
that that's why they are successful is like people want a horror movie. And if it's anything better than complete garbage, they'll watch it. That is the show for today. Please like subscribe, follow on the platform you're watching or listening on. And that way you can get the most recent updates. Uh, I really appreciate you tuning in and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Bye now. Brandon at Random Reviews artwork, theme music, and podcast are written, performed, recorded, engineered, directed, and produced by Brandon Griffiths in association with Brandon at Random Reviews Entertainment. Thank you.